What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. out there in Nick's land. Uh, I hope the answer to that question is that you are doing well because I'm doing well. And the reason I'm doing well is I, um, I get to take a break from the usual tonight and, uh, just talk to one of my friends, um, about life, love, the Knicks, some other things. (laughs) Um, Andrew, anything else we're going to talk? Andrew Claudio, I should introduce you first. Um, friend, podcast producer, um, what else are you? What are you, Andrew? Uh, I'm an award winner. Um, you I'm are you are flat out winner. awesome. Um, <laughs> the host of a brand new podcast that everybody should also go check out, which we're going to uh, talk about. Yes, I am a Mets fan, and I just said to John before we jumped on here that uh, you may be privileged with the live reaction to them committing. Such so much more of an incompetent act than the Knicks have done in the last two years, like to the national media that likes to paint Jim Dolan as this worst owner in all the sports. Just Google the word Wilpon and then tell me about how bad Jim Dolan is. Oh, he kicked a fan out. Yeah, the Mets are about to kick out a manager that's never managed a game for them, but never <laughs> committed an act against their team. We we should say we're recording this at, 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 at right now it is 825 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. It, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible, John. Like with the Knicks, we're at least finally at the point where X's and O's are the thing that frustrate us. You know, like there's like, I, I don't I don't. Are we there yet, Andrew? Are we well, there yet? But like, what's the big off the court distraction? You well, know, oh, they didn't give a, a contest winner more than a thousand dollars in scratch offs, even though the I, contest was sponsored by the New York Lottery. So it I made can't sense. say I paid attention to that. You're a better but, man than me. I just like click the link, like shout out to worldwide Wab who apparently found the guy and did a whole thing on him. And there's just well, a little bit of description. you can. So hold on. That's to. actually, we, we, there's literally a thousand places I could start with you. Um, mm-hmm. the, but you've been, so you said you clicked the link. You've been kind of off social media though for a while. Have you not? A little bit, a little so, bit. So yeah. I, that's kind of where you threw me for a loop with the Mets thing and, and getting right <laughs> into the dysfunction of, of, or potential lack of dysfunction with the team. But the re- the place I wanted to start, because I think, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I don't really get to talk about this with anybody because everybody that I feel like I talk to on here essentially um, it lives on Twitter and that, you know, the whole world. And you, once upon a time when you hosted um, uh, Nothing But Nicks, the podcast, and were regularly just like, you know, all over this team, you've you still obviously watch the games, you still pay attention to them, but I feel like you've taken a step back, and I just I was like curious, like what is that like, I, or or do you feel like you haven't taken a step back? And I'm assuming something that I shouldn't be assuming. Well, no, there is a an obvious, a clear and obvious step back that I took for sure. Um, I would recommend to anybody. Um, if we're just about to get so serious on this podcast, I no, but this is, I, I actually really <laughs> did want to start with this because I just feel like it's, an, it's, I don't, I, I think everybody out there is like me who like wakes up thinking of this stupid team. I shouldn't say that this lovely team, um, and goes to sleep thinking about this team and spends 18 different times during the day being, having like random thoughts pop in their head about lineups or like, what is the front office doing or any number of things. And I forget sometimes that there's a lot of people out there who are not like me. And you have the interesting perspective of having kind of worn both hats. So that I that's why I kind of am curious, you know? Well, so you alluded to my time at Gotham and the you want to talk about a number of hats, the 
podcast host of both a Nick show, but also a Mets show, if we can uh, bring the earlier conversation into this. I also did a movie podcast for them. I also edited every single one of their shows. And when you go from having that mentality, the busy schedule, the up at 3 a.m. to edit a couple shows to make sure that everything sounds good because you have integrity with how your shows sound when they go out to then trying to transition to something else. I actually just looked at it and saw that I needed a break, you know, like you I will if we can just open up a little bit on this show on I think we're open. One of the big changes that happened for me in 2019 is I finally started going to therapy and seeing a counselor. And what she's tried to instill in me is like, regardless of how important it is for branding and how important it is for uh, your career or any future goals that you set for yourself, if it's causing you anxiety, take a break. Like plain and simple, whether it be Twitter or like the Knicks. Well, that's not good because if I listened to that advice, I wouldn't have a podcast anymore and I wouldn't write anymore. And I would probably be living in Hawaii at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's the thing. Like we take these things in for entertainment, like social media in the correct hands and with the correct mindset can be fun. Let's I've had my Twitter bio, regardless of where I've worked over the last five years, I'm here for the jokes. Like that is here. What I'm, I'm looking for. I'm always looking for jokes. There's, Great and great thoughts, uh, a thoughtful analysis that I've seen, whether it be about sports or about life or about movies that can happen on social media. But at the end of the day, it should be a tool for fun. And if it ever is causing you anxiety, take a break. Like it, it should never be that yeah, serious. You've now used the word should twice in the last 15 should, seconds. Yeah. And I almost want because like. I first got on Twitter, I want to say about three and a half years ago, and it was literally because I had just started, like, I think I opened up a Tumblr account because I wanted, you know, I wanted to write about basketball because I was taking the train every day and I had some free time. And it, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, this on this Twitter thing, it, like, people will converse with you. It's like having a conversation, except not via text or on the phone. It's on this, on this app. And I was like, this is cool. And I would, I would just treat it like normal conversations. And then I, it, you still get to do that sometimes. And there is the fun part of it, like you say, but I feel like both of those things are just overshadowed by, I feel like most days I go on Twitter and it's, I'm, it's almost like I'm preemptively bracing myself for what I'm going to find. And I don't know. No, I'm serious. And I don't know. Is that because I think about this stuff way too much and I, I let certain things get to me that I probably shouldn't? Is it because the team is terrible and would this not be the case if they weren't terrible? Or is it just because of the nature of social media and it's always going to be that way? And I'm, it's great that you have made the healthy choice to like <laughs> proactively, you know, do something about whatever anxiety you were feeling. Um, I have yet to make such a, such a proactive choice. So I guess, you know, I'm shit out of luck. Well, so I think it was Michael Che, like one of the uh, anchors for one of the head writers, I should say, for SNL, one of the hosts of Weekend Update. He uh, perfectly described Twitter. And it it's like if everybody you ever hated had your had your phone number, you know, because like, everybody's able to just reach out to you directly at any point, any time without you even consenting to them wanting to talk to you, you know? And I got to be honest, I, I've told you this a couple of times at the watch parties and, and, and off mic, but I have no clue how you do it. You still have push notifications like to your phone. <sighs> and like the night of the draft party when, when they drafted RJ Barrett and I'm watching, like, you, you left your phone on the bar and I, I see your phone just light up, light up, light up. It's like, oh my God, every time someone tweets at JC Macri, uh, it pops up like you you get all of those notifications and well I don't do, know how you do it do you know what the real answer is what I am in it for the money baby um <laughs> and and on that no you think I'm kidding I'm gonna read an ad right now because that's, I was waiting for it yeah, well, well done hey you listen season pro over here listen they don't they don't pay me the big bucks for I actually you know I'm gonna start reading the ad <laughs> but then I'm gonna tell you something funny afterwards so um we have to talk about cryo freeze. Um, Andrew, are you familiar with CryoFreeze? 
I am. You are, of course, you're familiar because you're a smart person. Yes. Because living with chronic pain is the worst and it's more than a feeling of discomfort. It could affect your whole life. I actually this is this is very true. Um, You've probably, if you're listening to this, had some type of pain that's prevented you from relaxing or sleeping or doing whatever you're going to do. Maybe it's exercising um, and none of the treatments you've tried have worked. Enter Omax Health. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, well, you need to try a natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD, those three key letters, CBD, roll-on, developed by Omax Health. It's non-prescription triple action relief roll-on, especially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. Best part is it's 100% natural CBD-powered remedy, works its magic within 10 minutes of application. And relief lasts up to eight hours. That's a long time, which is great. It's pushed longer than uh, over-the-counter products. Um, best of all, Omax Health is offering listeners to this program 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze CBD pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. Uh, also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today. Enter promo code OVERTIME. That is O-M-A-X health.com and enter promo code OVERTIME to get 20% off cryo freeze and site wide. Andrew, now do you want to hear the funny part about everything I just read? I'd love to. Somebody messaged me after, because the first time I read that ad was the, the last episode and somebody messaged me and they're like, you guys are pitching CBD stuff now. I'm like, Wait, what? And she, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you, you had it. You read the ad. And I'm like, no, I read an ad for like something that's like Ben gay. Um, except better. It's like super Ben Gay. And, and they, and they message, they're like, how the hell do you think it, it's like super Ben Gay? It's CBD. And I'm like, I went back and I looked at the ad read and I'm like, holy crap. I, I'm, I'm reading it. I read a CBD ad, which is awesome because I think uh-huh. it, CBD is fantastic. This is the world we live in. It's 2020. Um, listen, you said it from the beginning. Like <laughs> the check's cleared. So my wife is in the bathroom and she just said from the bathroom, can they send us free samples? Exactly. Again, here for the perks, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's why. I, no. So back to your original question before we got off on this wonderful tangent. Um, the the honest answer is I still view and I, maybe this is part of why I get the anxiety that I do with this stuff. I still view when someone messages me or tweets at me or whatever is like. I look at it as like someone if someone came up to me and like asked me a question in person and if I'm it feels rude to not like answer that person, especially when they're Mm -hmm. talking to me about something that I love to I I still genuinely do love to talk about the Knicks as long as it's like healthy, productive conversation. It's when it turns to like non-productive that it gets kind of annoying. Yeah. 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 I I still know how you do it. And (laughs) like I. I even remember the day that you and JV did that, uh, those videos for MSG and you took the time to go in and this, I guess, speaks to your character. Oh, uh, stop it. Dude. Well, like it deserves credit because I'll go like a week and forget to re- reply to a text and you went and sought out everybody that congratulated you guys. Well, I don't return my MSG. friend's texts. I, I ignore my friends. My wife I, makes fun of me all the time. She says, you treat your friends like crap, but meanwhile, strangers on the internet, you'll like, you know, take the time. This well, is, this is how my mind works. Tre- then good, good job on treating your <laughs> strangers on the internet like they're your friends. Is I guess well, how we can go there. All right. Yeah. <laughs> my wife. I just I, I it it and we can relate this back to the Knicks and and please let's former, let's do. Well, like my former job in covering the Knicks for for Gotham and how we were technically. Like competition, but it was so hard to be like, I don't want to compete with John. Like he's one of the nicest dudes that you'll ever meet. He's one of the more knowledgeable people that you'll ever listen to. And then like it was actually genuine when I saw you guys run uh uh on MSG the the mellow gif that I posted. It was like, oh my my boys are on MSG. This is awesome. <laughs> and so, you can like genuinely be happy for somebody else's success. And it's people like you that make it easy to do that. First of all, that's all way too kind. Uh-huh. Um the, what I thought of as you're saying this, and a lot you know, I'm not gonna lie, a lot of people have said nice things over the course of the last few years that I've been doing this. And I wonder how much of it is due to the fact that I, in ad- in addition to being you know polite 
uh, as polite as I could, you know, can be, I try to be positive um, about the team and the direction that it's heading. Because really, coincidentally enough, I kind of started doing this right when, not not right when Perry. I think it was a few months before Perry came aboard. I think I wrote my first article that was like posted on a blog in February, and then Perry got the job four months later. So it was pretty close. And I think this coincides with what we were going to talk about with, with with this team because you you wrote that you're strangely optimistic about the future, and yet for the first time. Since I've really been doing this, um, it's not that I'm, it's not that I've turned negative, but <laughs> I'm, I don't even want to say that I'm like more negative than positive, but I have like really serious, significant doubts about whether the path that the front office, let's just call it like it is, it, it seems to be taking the team on is um, the best one. and I, and. This makes me think, one, I wonder how people will respond if I start, you know, being a little bit more uh, negative, if that's how I see it. Um, but I guess more the more interesting part of the conversation is which one which one of us is right. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess for that, I'll turn to you. Why? Why, Andrew Claudio, are you strangely optimistic about the future of the New York Knicks? Well, for starters, there's just been so many worse situations that we found this franchise in and locked up in something long-term, whether it's not having draft picks or having bad contracts on their team. How many times has there been a rumor, oh, the Knicks are interested in trading for this star, or if only we didn't have this contract, if only Joe Kim Noah wasn't here, if only Tim Hardaway Jr. wasn't here, or if there wasn't this untradeable contract, we'd be able to actually trade for a superstar. Now, I'm not saying that can happen, but one of the, the flexibilities that you got in the offseason when you had all these one-year deals with one-year options is that the next big disgruntled superstar that wants to be traded, you're an ideal spot because you can offer a quick reset button along with some assets if you wanted to give up the Dallas picks or your future round picks, depending on who it is, and you could do that. You could make that happen. Um, And the Knicks have the opportunity to do that. But that's just one part of the vacuum is that they haven't done anything detrimental to their future. You know what I'm saying? No, I I agree. And I think that's it's funny enough for years and years and years. It always seemed like there were roadblocks to our success. And I know myself was always like, if we could just get the roadblocks out of the way, we'll be fine because this is New York. This is the Knicks. Just give us, you know, like just put us on an even playing field, and then that happened. And this summer, you know, and we could, we don't need to talk about it. But whether it was the Achilles or just other factors, it, it, the summer did not go the way that many of us thought it was going to go before it, it got here. And now we're here, and it's like the the roadblocks are still gone, and yet now it's like okay, um. But wait a minute, hold on. We actually need to make like smart decisions. Um and make and not just one or two, but like many in a oh. row. And that that's what I guess is starting to unnerve me because we're forced to look at the situation and be like, "Wait a minute. Are the people here right now the ones capable of making not only smart decisions but like outsmart 29 other like front offices that are in like themselves pretty smart. I guess that's kind of where I'm at right now. See, I still have my concerns obviously about the front office and it's more so Mills than, than Perry, to be honest. Although I'm, I'm still not sure what the power structure is there. Like, I don't know if everything that Perry does is a Mills thing or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? But like, let's just go back through the, the different, president of basketball operations oh do we have up. to do that well oh my just God. like not even like what they've done just the situations they've walked into see what you want about phil jackson and the frustrations of trying to instill an offense from a front office you know what i'm saying yeah um 
he walked into it and he was already like, oh, I'm out of first round pick. I, I have to wait for all of this to reset and then I could start to do something. You're right. And the first thing he did was here, Joakim Noah, $72 million. Oh, Derek Rose, I love to trade for you. But Carmelo, we decided to do a max. Now I want to rebuild, even though I just traded for a bunch of veterans to put around you. Okay, rant over. But uh, then you go back <laughs> like to, to, Donnie, not, to Donnie Walsh when he walked in, probably the most successful tenure that the Knicks have had. His whole thing was, I have to clear these contracts, and it cost the Knicks draft picks, and he just cleared cap space. Co- cost him the immortal he- Jordan Hill. Don't Listen, right. don't, 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 listen we don't DeRozan throw shade on... Next pick, so. We don't throw jo- shade on Jordan Hill on this podcast. But, but like, you see what I'm saying? Like, you nah, had to reset by waiting a year or two, and the way the Knicks are now, if, if the next GM or president of basketball operations wants to come here. He's coming here with all his draft picks, extra draft picks from the Dallas trade with, with the, with, with the KP trade and whatever they're going to get at the deadline this year. Um, a clean slate and cap space. There's not a bad contract on this team. Unless you, you want to call Julius Randall a bad contract. I call it in the right system and asset because you've seen what he's been when used correctly under Mike Miller. And then you look at what the core is. I, I am very high on R.J. Barrett. I I don't know what uh, the doubters of him think. I think it's more just anti-Knicks wanting him to be bad. Plus, John Morant. I, I was about to say, year. that has but, like, to have a little bit. You can't play that game. Bit. No, no, no. I, I, and it's not, look, it's not like there was an, even an opportunity to, to trade up. Or it's not like they let the wrong guy, or sorry, that they let the right guy uh, bypass him. So, no, I agree with you. See, I hate mm. what one of my biggest pet peeves and it's nothing, nothing you just did. But one of my biggest pet peeves is looking at the draft and saying, like, if only we had moved up one spot like that. Steph Curry. Oh, no, you can. No, you, listen, that's not a fair. That's complete. Like th- they were never going to trade that pick. The, the, there were there was never a chance for us to get Doncic. And you know what I hate? I hate when people are like, oh, they didn't tank well enough. I'm sorry that a team with a young KP and and Hardaway playing well and Frank was playing well started off 16 and 13. I'm sorry. We should have done that. Like, that's ridiculous. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Even like the 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 win that they had at the end of the season that the Tim Hardaway game that moved them up, you know, like they ended up getting Porzingis, which at the time people were making fun of, like the infamous uh, Stephen A. Smith rant. And then you pass forward a couple years and he's ranting that Phil Jackson uh, needs to get the hell out of New York. If he trades Porzingis, I just think we're, we kind of go into every draft blind. There's very few sure things. And when you, after 45 games, we're going to say that the Knicks missed out on John Morant when I actually think they found a piece to build around in RJ. And then you look ahead to this upcoming draft. There are four, according to Spencer, the podcast that, you did with him a couple weeks ago. I, that I did do I, that podcast. One of my favorite ones to edit so far uh, at Nick's film school because I, at a certain point, stopped editing and just started listening. <laughs> the point guard depth that's in the draft this year and the Knicks are most likely going to be in the top seven. It's a great place to be. So you go into next season with uh, a point guard on a rookie contract, uh, RJ on a rookie contract, Frank on a rookie contract, Mitchell Robinson. We hope we, we uh, hold on. But the. I, I'm, I don't want to stop you, but we, again, we hope all those guys will still be here and still be getting a real chance to formulate this young core that we've wanted to show up for 20 years. And that it, that gets back to my hesitation, and, and we're bleeding into the next part of the conversation about the trade deadline, but that's why, that's why these last few weeks have unnerved me so much, Andrew. Hmm. Like, do you get it? I know you I- get it. I get, I get it, but I feel like if we take out the first 22 games where I I still don't know how bad a coach Fizdale is. If you <laughs> listen to Schwinnipoo, he's the worst coach of all time. Uh, I didn't think he was a good coach, though. And what they've been under Miller, I at least know what they do well now. I at least know. I, I, I know what Julius Randle used correctly looks like. You see what RJ's done. Where we thought he hit a rookie wall in the last couple of weeks and what he's done the last six games. I, I think you see what it's like when a coach actually knows how to instill an offense that caters to a player's strengths. And if that was there the whole season, 
you wonder what this team would look like and if we'd have so much doubt in the direction of this team, I, you know? I completely agree with you. I have tried many, many times, and I continue to try to compartmentalize everything. That's why I I agree with a lot of what JB, who angered a lot of people this year, um, <laughs> has said um, I, uh, I, about this team and, and different things. I, I agree with a lot of it. The thing I don't agree with is is how you like i think we need to look at the miller era on its own but that's it, it's not even that it's it's just reading the tea leaves about what let me rephrase that about how the front office thinks the next steps to building the team should go and i'm i guess i'm almost just worried that the roadblocks that again as you as you pointed out, there's, they're not here right now, and there's a lot to be excited about. I wrote a whole th- a newsletter about R.J. Barrett <laughs> this morning. I mean, he's put, he's literally putting up numbers as a teenager that three guys have put up in the history of the league. Three. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, and Luka Doncic. Like, that is a fact. If it, it, it It's not even like creative accounting on my part. It's just like some basic stat combinations. Um, I'm, I'm with all of that. I just, I just wish... I just wish there was I could count on another period of sustained continued investment in and I hate to use the term but I'm going to use it building <laughs> building this thing the right way. And I, I just feel like, you know, seats are getting hot, butts are fannies are getting warm and um and and I'm worried what could transpire because of that, that that's it. It's not, has, it honestly has nothing to do with what's on goes on on the court. I think what's been going on on the court over the last, uh, how many games has Miller coached now? 19 games? I think it's been good, yeah. by and large. So, yeah. Well, so there was a moment in the game against Heat on Sunday where at a key point in the in the fourth quarter, they had Mitch, Randall, Knox, RJ, and Alfred Payton on the floor. And I looked at I, I just like screenshot it in my head, obviously. Wasn't watching it on a phone, so it wasn't an actual screenshot, but like a mental screenshot, right? And I looked at it, and if you just swap out Alfred Payton for whoever the point guard is that they draft this year, there's your core. Like all four of those guys, all five of those guys are under 25 years old and under very affordable, uh, tradable, if you want to call it that, contracts, but not crippling is more my point. And that's something you build on. And imagine if they get next year's John ja Morant and look at what Memphis has been this season. They're currently the eighth seed. So yeah, I don't look, I've, I'm always the first thing you can ask Jeremy. I, I'm the first person to criticize the Knicks when they do something that doesn't make sense. No, you, did that's, it I know for that a number you know of that. years yeah. and what they've done now, which was always my frustration with the Knicks for clicks, LOL Knicks going on this, this off season, like, Imagine if what they were rumored to have gotten had actually happened. The jokes that would be oh, goodness. at their expense, but it would also come with the despair of the hopelessness at their expense because we'd be waiting for Kevin Durant's injury to, to heal where I still don't know if anybody's going to write the article that maybe Kevin Durant isn't going to be the same. Everybody seems to be confident that this seven-footer coming off an Achilles injury, which has such a great track record in working out, is going to work out. And then Kyrie, I don't want to question somebody's mental health because obviously we all deal with it in different ways, but there is just something going on there that – Yeah, but dealing with it is is the key. Right. You you have to – and, you know, what – Step one is acknowledging that you, uh, you know, maybe need uh, a hand, uh, mm-hmm. some assistance, and maybe he, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, listen, I, I, I mean this with all of my heart. If I could trade places with where we are right now, with where we would have been, and I could be sitting here with the kids and Kyrie and KD, I, I kind of, it's going to sound crazy. I kind of prefer. Because I I don't have any confidence that that would have led to a championship, given how I see things already playing out with Kyrie there and the doubts that we have about KD. So, given that, I kind of like that we're more of in like you you've been saying that there's more flexibility, there's more options. I just 
I it's just, a clean slate. Yeah, no, like it is. It's a. I, it, but if here's the thing: if you told me that a year from now I was going to get to watch the core that you just theorized with those four guys plus a better point guard in place of Alfred Payton, I would be. I'd be dancing on tables. I would be so happy if I knew that that lineup was going to get to close games a year from now. Who knows? Maybe it's not even a drafted point guard. Maybe it's Fred Van Feet, the guy that that I want them to sign this summer. But whatever. I just that I, I keep saying it. My confidence has been shaken a little bit. That's all. That's all it is. A little shaky. Well, we need to change that because when one of the more confident and positive people gets their confidence shaken, they're we can't have that. Are you we listening, Scott and Steve? Are you yeah. listening? <laughs> Stop shaking my confidence, guys. Now, I will uh, say, like, that this all could change if all of a sudden Marcus Morris isn't traded, you know? Like, so I, that's I'm right what I want to get to. What is your what is your – give me two things. Give me your perfect trade deadline and give me your disaster trade deadline. Ooh, so perfect trade deadline, um, Marcus Morris – traded for a first round pick uh unprotected regardless of where it is if it's in the teens if it's in the 20s it's it's a swing for the fences so i marcus morris for a first round pick you want to live here awesome uh, congratulations dude live here keep your brooklyn apartment or wherever you're living in manhattan and we can sign you long term in the off season if that road comes to it if they're interested whatever uh you're an asset as far as i'm concerned this team isn't going anywhere trading Marcus Morris has to happen in a couple of weeks. Um, if you can get something for any of the following Dennis Smith, Jr., Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington, uh, Todd, uh, see, I'd actually rather keep Taj for keep the rest Taj. of this. Yeah. I'd rather keep Taj, uh, and Bobby Portis. If you can get anything, I'm saying a second round pick. Uh, I would, uh, I would do it. Can we trade Bobby for a top sixty protected? Oh wait, there's only sixty. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, was like, uh, I was doing the math in my head. Like, wait, that was two bad. rounds. That was, uh, I, I feel, I feel, I feel remorse already for my besmirching of Bobby Portis. Uh, so literally yeah. anything for any of those five, and I think it's a success. And if you walk away from this with the rest of the season, where Knox gets more minutes, uh, Kadeem Allen gets more minutes as backup point guard. Um, Wooten gets to play more. Uh, Iggy gets to play more, and it's it's going to lose a lot of games, but it's going to be developing a lot of kids with a G League coach that won Coach of the Year last year and focuses on development and X's and O's. I think that's the the most successful path for the rest of the season. Can we um, keep? Can we keep? I want to keep Reggie Bullock. Right. I, I, I want, yeah. Keep him. I yeah, wanna, but that's I wanna, why with Ellington gone, you can keep Reggie Bullock. I want to keep Taj. Um and I think I and I think you you know it's might sound I, I the guy I teeter back and forth with is Randall. And there are days where I'm like, man, just I so, take him, somebody take him. And then there are other days like, man, you know what? Maybe him being here is actually for the best because it does take some of the pressure off of um, you know, the kids and like guys like RJ. But then it's like you like you look at how RJ plays when Randall's out there and you look at how RJ plays with without Randall. And I know the numbers are obviously a lot better with Randall, but RJ's not doing the best RJ stuff. So it's like it's it's that it's that question of like, are the lumps for the best or are they actually, you know, is it better to kind of have better minutes? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. But So what's your what's your bad trade deadline? Well, real quick on Julius Randall, because yes, talk about Randall quick. Well, I was. I had no clue how to feel about the guy the first 22 games of the season because I was just getting tired of every time he got the ball, yelling at the TV to pass the ball. And it was funny, at the the watch party for the KP watch party for the Knicks-Mavericks game, collectively, everybody at the bar, every time Randall got the ball, passed the ball. And you've seen that when he gets the ball – in certain situations, he's immediately looking for the pass. But when he gets the ball going downkill, he's in much better uh, shape to do what he does well. Um, so I, my, my hesitation with trading him is I actually think he's got a coach that knows how to use him. Like That was always my uh, commentary on Randall when he was struggling early in the year is, yes, he looks bad. I want to see him with a different coach. And I think Miller can unlock something there. Um, if you want to add as part of the perfect trade deadline, if somebody wants to give you two picks for Julius Randall, I'd be interested. Oh, I, I, 
I think I would have to. That I, I'd be okay if you're giving me two. No, two I, picks, I, I mean, if you you're know. giving me a I, if you're giving me a first for Julius Randle, I I couldn't say no to that. I, I and I like him. I've I've come around on him. I feel the same way as you. I think he could be a, a nice valuable piece, but I just, you know, and and I st- and this is again that see this is what doing this stuff every day. You you go not to get off on a tangent, but you you could go crazy because. On one hand, you're like, is Julius Randle going to be really a part of the championship version of, of the New York Knicks? And you're like, well, the answer is no, so we could trade. But then it's like, that's not how this stuff works. You take baby steps and you have to consider, like, what is the value to someone in taking those incremental steps forward? And that's, I think, where, you know, where you could get sucked in with like, ah, oh, get rid of Julius Randle. No, he has, for the reasons you just said, he has he has real value. Um, well, yeah. Well, so here's why my hesitation would be just to flat out dump him, which I don't think is what you're saying. It's just simply if you can get something of value for him, get it. I think, as I alluded to earlier, if you're going to end up making that home run trade for a superstar, you're going to need a player like Julius Randle, whose contract would probably match better that you don't have to give up the same assets that you would if. Oh. With him not here, you know what I'm saying. Assuming like, somebody wants him, him which uh, well, I, like I if Minnesota really next year finally has to pull the plug on Cat, and you have Julius Randle sitting there with an opt out at the uh, with a, a team option at the end of the year, you tell them, "Here's Julius Randle. Here's a two picks from Dallas. Here's our pick in a year from now, and another expiring contract if you'd like, and give us Carl Anthony Towns for, under contract for the next four years." Oh goodness, that would be so lovely. I w- you know, I. Every time I see someone crushing his defense on Twitter, I'm hoping that the Minnesota front office feels Is the it same watching? way. No, no, I hope that they're 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 taking it all in and and starting uh, okay. to get worried um, about him and like considering like oh maybe we, maybe we should move this guy. Uh, you oh, know. you're saying crushing cat on Twitter? Yeah, you're saying crushing Julius. Randall oh no, 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 no. I, I think listen, Randall's been crushed about as much as a person can be this yeah. year. Um, all right. My- but- Nightmare scenario. Nightmare scenario. Yes. What is the nightmare scenario? Uh, All the guys I just mentioned are still on this team. And I, I I cannot stress enough. Marcus Morris, that's the biggest asset that you have right now. Uh, He would be the the second option, maybe the third option on the heat. If you did that trade, I still, I don't know how I feel about not even from a logical basketball sense. uh, The Knicks making a trade to help the Miami heat just, it would not. It's like when in baseball, if if you're a Mets fan, and a couple of years ago they could have given them Jay Bruce to the Yankees, and I just didn't know didn't know how I felt about giving them Jay Bruce. And like two years ago, they could have given him Syndergaard or Degrom. I just didn't want to see either of them win a championship. There, yeah. there's some very irrational, it's like sports fandom in me that doesn't want to see the Heat win. I, I... With the catalyst being that if we get their pick and that turns into something, we can hold that over them forever. Can, so. can I tell you two things? One, I I think if you if I could sign on the dotted line right now for this team to make zero transactions between now and the deadline, I, I gotta tell you, man, I think I might I think I might do it. Um that's how worried I am that 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 there's something coming down the pike that I'm really not gonna like. So are you saying something like an Andre Drummond trade? I I just I I don't I forget the words I used recently but like my spidey senses are tingling man. It's it, <laughs> I've been watching this team for over two and a half decades. I just I get a feel for when they're going to do something and I, I and if it's ugh, if it's if it if Frank is involved it's just mm. I I I just have I just have that feeling, and I hope to God I am wrong. But it, it may, maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's um, you know, it's like just the idea of like using Frank or using Kevin Knox to acquire someone that's gonna like further potentially further stand in the way of like Mitchell Robinson or just like the, the idea of like giving up on those young players. It's like that's the story that we've seen before. So that's why I say. If if I could sign for just like nothing happening, I I almost would feel safer with that. Here's the other thing: my dream scenario would be they trade Marcus Morris to the Heat, and here's why: it would 
a signal uh, um they would have to take back some some bad salary for next year whether it's um uh James Johnson who looked pretty good against us the other night but neither here nor there or uh more likely Dion Waiters so it would signal to me that the front office is like we're we're giving up on this fantasy world thing that like we're going to swing for the fences and and trade for a superstar this summer because again I'm sorry I don't think that's going to happen and we're like not going to like prioritize spending money this summer on like C tier like free agents um and two, uh, or B, whichever, I forget if I said A or one, <laughs> um, the pick that it can't convey until 2025 at the earliest. And um, that to me, again, would signal that they're really thinking down the line, even if they're not going to be the ones who get to take advantage of that good fortune because they will be out of a job. But like that would, I don't know, that would be meaningful to me. That would be like, okay, you guys are, you, you may have screwed up here and there along the way. But you're taking one for the team now. And uh, I, I would appreciate that, I guess. Well, even more so with Morris over anybody else that we've talked about. Morris is the only one without an opt-out, right? So he's you don't just have that the one year, year. Straight, year, straight one-year deal. So he's the only real expiring contract on the team right now. You have to try and utilize this asset uh, as best you can. You, know you, what I'm you say that, and I... I, if you if if you gave me even odds right now on if he's a Nick on February seventh, I would bet that he's a Nick on February seventh. It would be I, close. I would think about it, but that I w- would be one of the first levels down from my optimism that I would take in a long time. Well, <laughs> now it's still like just an expiring contract at the end of the day, and what would frustrate me even more would be if they end up just buying him out because then it just wait. So you could have. Okay, whatever. It's still nothing long-term detrimental. Um, A trade of Marcus Morris. I think a lot of the things that we've been hearing have been, like, your spidey senses are tingling, that something stupid is going to happen that they do. My spidey senses are more, this is part of the game. This is trying to drive his value. Like, oh, no, we want to keep him. You have to blow us away. I hope you're right, man. I hope. Um, I just, listen, we, when... Perry got here. It was younger, more athletic. And all the pods that I did, it was being frustrated at Derrick Rose and then frustrated at Tim Hardaway Jr. And now it's frustrated at Kevin Knox. And the key uh, trend is that everybody I'm frustrated with keeps getting younger and more understandable. And I can be frustrated with a 19-year-old growing into his body. You know, I can be frustrated with a guy in his second year learning how to play in the NBA. I like, like Well, this is what a rebuild looks like. And that's exactly. what that's what frustrates me so much about some some fans is they're the things that they're saying about 19 and 20 and 21-year-old kids. It's like the I think the reason people are saying this is because they don't realize that like the w- like when John Morant comes in and like lights the league on fire like that's and Luka Doncic last year like that's the exception to the rule. That's not the, that's not the norm. It usually takes like more than 18 months for guys. Exactly. Yeah. A, a lot of them are Bam Adebayo, who is in year four right now. I guess year three, year three. right now. He's in year three. And but, is taking the yeah. leap, you know. Um, let's even just relate this to the Knicks. Uh, Gallo's third season, uh, the first year with Amari, and he looked like a legitimate starter and contributor to a potential playoff team. That's what I think Kevin Knox could be if given the opportunity to get these growing pains out where we're not immediately criticizing him the, the, with these clips every time he makes a mistake. Now, the I'm not trying to get on anybody for doing so because he deserves the criticism, but this is why he's like we could bring this all the way home to our, our beginning conversation. Like when I was 20 years old, I didn't have all this scrutiny and, and Twitter and Instagram and all the social media clipping every time I have a mental lapse on defense. So I hope that he's got the right people in his life telling him to avoid that stuff and, and focus on just getting better as a, as a basketball player. But I, I still have a lot of high hopes for Kevin Knox. I don't think he needs to be like an all-star or a cornerstone player, but if he's just a rotation player, that's your fourth option and a, a really good catch and shoot player in the future. I think, like you hit a home run as, with a number nine pick in the draft. It doesn't always turn into that. Someone made, and I, I apologize, I forget who 
this person is, um, but someone made a great comp to if we trade Kevin Knox now, um, it's going to be a do-over of Trevor Ariza. And mm-hmm. and look, I know Kevin Knox was the eighth pick, and eighth or ninth, whatever he was. Um, I always get confused because I know Frank Frank and Knox, one of them was the eighth, one of them was the ninth, and I always forget. Frank what- was Frank. So here's how I remember it: because Frank went eight, Dennis Smith Jr. went nine. Yes, and then Kevin Knox went nine the next year. That's it. Okay, so and I know Ariza obviously was the forty uh, third pick overall, but you saw talent from day one with Trevor Ariza. It was inconsistent talent, but you saw you saw talent. That guy over the first um, from two thousand five to two thousand nine, so um, the first five seasons of his career, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, yeah averaged. 6.9 points per game. 6.9. 3.8 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He ended up making over 100. He's still playing, obviously, but he has already made, he has already signed contracts worth over $100 million in the NBA, which I know, yeah. look, they money gets tossed around a lot. But the point is, like, that dude ended up for years and years and years has ended up being a valuable contributor that guys, like, teams wanted to be a part of them. And it took, in his case, it took five years before he really got there. After the Lakers let him go, Houston picked him up, and like that was like kind of the beginning of it. it like, Kevin, he was nineteen when he came in, Trevor Ariza, Kevin Knox. It's like he has played a hundred career games. Like, and, and that's just one example. But like, you could do the same thing with Frank. Like, I saw people today on Twitter talking about how Mitchell Robinson hasn't hadn't improved since last year. Somebody said, oh, "I'm like." No, and I'm like, are you like this is this is the conversation that we're having because the guys had three bad games coming on the heels of a rumor that their team was trying to trade for someone that was essentially going to take his job. I mean, like this is talk about getting us back to where we started. This is why I don't go on Twitter as much as I used to. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, and you add in like the Trevor Ariza factor of it all. Um, like the first year that he really became an asset or we noticed was the year that they won the finals. And I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but he was finally put in a situation where he's not expected to be one of the core pieces. And he could just be uh, someone that is what like the core that you build. He's around it. You know what I'm saying? So that could be Kevin Knox. Not every not every player that you draft has to be like part of your big three or on the poster. They could just be that's part exactly. of the part of the solution. Like you used to, and this I think is probably the biggest ex, uh, uh, example of growth that I've had over the last couple of years when it comes to basketball, uh, the one eighty I've kind of done on Frank and it's what you and Jeremy and a lot of people were telling me. It's that if you don't look at him as like, the guy should have been Donovan Mitchell. The guy should be yeah. uh, De'Aaron Fox. What he is is that ship a sailed. winning player yeah. that if if you have De'Aaron Fox and Donovan Mitchell or Luka Doncic on the court, he plays opposite them and does all the dirty work. He makes winning plays. He's a contributor when you're trying to win games. That game against the Mavericks that he, the, the Frank game, as I probably we have to start calling it, um, he wasn't like he didn't have 35 points. This wasn't the guy that lit up the scoreboard, but he made plays that don't show up in a scoreboard or in a box score. And when the ball bounced to him and he was open, he shot threes and they went in like it was very simple contributions. And the Knicks have a lot of those pieces. Now you can go at the top of the draft, which are going to be probably again this year and draft the rest of your core. And as soon as next year, they could be looking at a bunch of assets and draft picks that are still on the way. A top five pick that could be used on a point guard like LaMelo Ball or Cole Anthony or RJ Hampton. Or you could make that home run trade. And that possibility well, is still there. You know what I'm saying? It, listen, I, I'm not saying don't don't swing for the fences. Listen, if, if I'm the painting pit- it with very. No, but I just don't yes. don't swing at pitches in the dirt. And stop swinging at pitches all the way. I mean, we're, if we're really crossing our sport analogies, stop swinging at pitches a foot outside. Um, yeah. And it's like until like sometimes you like, building a good basketball team. And I think I used this analogy at some point in a newsletter this year. 
It's not about hitting home runs. It's about hitting singles, the occasional double, and then when that right pitch is there in that right situation, and like yes, then you give it the full swing. Um, and I, I just, I just hope that the the patience remains there, even as the seats get hot. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll see if they do. All right, I agree. We have talked a lot about the Knicks, and at this point, I believe we are now going to um, do a little magic act and transfer. We're going to end. So the podcast that you are listening to now, friends at home, is going to end. But this conversation, this conversation, mind you, is not going to end. This conversation is just beginning, except the rest of it is going to take place on uh, Mr. Claudio's podcast. So. Um, I will end this podcast by by asking you, Andrew Claudio, even though we're going to keep talking, where can <laughs> folks find you? Well, you can find me on the app that I've been telling you I don't really go on anymore, uh, Twitter, at Andrew J. Claudio. You can find me on Instagram there as well, uh, YouTube, but not just yet. You can find me at Andrew J. Claudio. Uh, Letterboxd, for all you movie fans, I have started to – Utilize that site to journal all of the movies that I see going forward. I've been going back in time, actually, and posting a bunch of reviews of my favorite films of 2019. So uh, that's one thing I think you're going to really enjoy when you listen to Final Score, the brand new podcast that I launched a couple of weeks ago. Um, John Macri, your host, is a bit of a cinephile for those who don't little know. Bit, and, little bit. And we're going to dive deep into the Oscar race and and what happened on Monday and how white uh, how quite confusing uh the no. nominations are this year <laughs> I, I thought that was actually a legitimate accident for a second and then I mean, you're, you're smarter <laughs> than that um uh, yes indeed um listen if you're out there um i i speak as someone who is always trepidatious about um introducing new content into my life because i have my safety my, my like my safety zones um but more and more as I get as I get older and I have free time, I just I want to smile. I want to I want to feel like comfortable. I want to I want to get that warm and cuddly feeling uh, when I pop in my my earbuds. And uh, I feel like the one thing that you always do on when you you did it when you were uh, uh, nothing but Knicks and when like all the pods you did at Gotham and like you're you're doing it now. I've been listening to only a couple episodes so far, but they both been great. Is like you give that feeling. So um, if you're out there and, uh, you know, you have a, a space in your uh, podcast, um, podcast, what, your rotation? Yeah, your sure. Your Q, yeah, your Yeah, rotation. your Q. Yeah. Uh, yeah, give, uh, give final score a shot. I, I say that without, I say that without any trepidation because it, it's, it's good and you're good and, um, yeah, and you get to hear me because we're going to start talking. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation on that. Um, okay, so everybody uh, who's been listening to this podcast, thank you very much for your time, as always. And uh, we will be back with you uh, with another episode uh, very soon. Peace out.